0: Welcome to another episode of Beyond Sermons where we seek Jesus Christ beyond the pulpit. We're going to continue with our discussion on eternal security, but from a Calvinistic perspective with Jeff Laird. One thing I've noticed when you're responding to some of these Bible references is that you apply a context, which I completely uh, agree with. Um, uh, The part that I'd like to also ask you to address a little bit more as about diving into the scripture sure. uh and the being cautious of diving into scripture is too much i guess right um now the the thing is there's a noble pursuit uh for understanding because a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning yeah. and that heavenly meaning is coming from an omniscient god you know right. it's very deep right so right. how do someone dive into a parable Without drowning.
1: I, I think it's it has it everything to do with just understanding that if every single tiny detail in the parable was exactly the same as every single tiny detail in, say, your life, then it's not a parable anymore. In other words, analogies always break down at some point in time. Mm-hmm. I mean, the whole reason we use analogies is we're saying here's a situation that is not exactly the same as this but it's got a couple of important things that are similar. So I think it it has a lot to do with effort. If you have to get down to the point where you're, you're, you're digging really, really deep into the tiny little nuances and you're missing a broader idea. I think that's a sign of going in too far. So let's, let's take this one from the prodigal son. He said, uh, quick, bring the finest robe in the house, put it on him, get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. You know, when we look at the context of what Jesus is trying to say, we, we could spend a lot of time saying, Okay, a ring. What's the significance of a ring? Well it's a circle. So what does the circle mean? Uh he says for his finger. He didn't say for his toe or his nose or his ears. So what is okay. that what does that mean? I mean, you can get to that point where it's like, look, those little details aren't expressed in the parable itself. When I actually read it, it says, Get a ring and sandals, kill the fatted calf those things as a broad sense, they fit into what the parable is talking about. Right. In other words, the details matter because they're part of the parable, but they themselves don't have to be individually, separately important or representative of some other thing. So it's the ring, the finger, the sandals, the calf, the party. So all of those inside parentheses are representative of something. It's not that those little things altogether have to be split up into their own individual meanings.
0: All right, so I'm going to ask one last question on this scripture. Absolutely, and it says we must celebrate with a feast for the Son of Mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. Sounds like there's some infinite emphasis um, on the transition of yes. the Son. Should we look too d- deeply into that?
1: No, I think, I think that transition is important. And I think that what you see is at the early part of the story, you have a son who has no appreciation and no understanding. He goes and does his own thing. And then it's that moment where he's sitting in the the pigsty, you know, in a, in a state of absolute shame and dejection and humiliation and pain, where he finally says, yeah, you know what? The way my father was, was telling me to do this was, you know, The best way he says, I'm going to say, father, I've sinned against you. And all I want is just to be a servant in your house. There's your transition. Now, when the son comes home, now he's got a relationship that's appropriate to where there is. So I think it is, it is appropriate to see that there's a transition. There's a change in the son's attitude. And I think it's also important as you bring that up to note that there is a second brother that's involved and right. all of this, and and it's it's worthwhile, maybe in a different context or a different, you know, conversation, to talk about the fact that that brother too had to experience a change in his attitude and his perception.
0: And I guess the final point for this scripture um, is that they were both always sons; they never stopped being the sons to the father. Correct. And that's the essence of eternal security.
1: I would say so, yeah. Even when you make mistakes, even when you fall away, if you truly have that relationship, it's never going to end. And the evidence of
0: that truly relationship is?
1: The evidence of that relationship is ultimately between that person and God. Okay, you know that what? Is... We'll hold
0: off on uh, on that a little bit. Yeah. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 5. Then you must throw this man out and hand him over to Satan... So that his sinful nature will be destroyed, and he himself will be saved on the day the Lord returns. This is sort of a running theme, uh, but feel free to comment again.
1: Yeah, I think again here you see the idea that there's there's judgment and there's dire consequences, but there's there's this underlying thread of hope. In other words, when he says you have to throw this man out, he doesn't say throw him out so he'll just burn. He he says you have to throw him out so his sinful nature will be destroyed. This guy has got to be confronted. The context of this is a man who's participating in heinous sin, just overt, incredible sin in the church. And Paul is saying you cannot tolerate that. That's at a level where you, you are not doing this man any favors by telling him it's okay, You're right with God. You need to separate yourself from him so that he comes to understand how heinous this sin is. And that's the ultimate goal. We are separating not because we want to cut him off for eternity. We're separating him because our hope is that we're going to see restoration. Yeah. You know, it's the goal is to correct, not to destroy. So I
0: guess another follow-up question now, you got my brain churning now. Absolutely. What is the difference between a saved and an unsaved person is it sin
1: salvation other i would say that it's it's both legitimate salvation that true relationship leads to natural signs uh, there are there are symptoms of that I, it would sort of be like you asking me you know what does it mean for a person to have the flu does it mean that they have a virus living in their body or does it mean that they're sneezing and coughing and they have aches and chills and the answer is, well, it's, it's sort of both. You can have chills and you can have aches and stuff like that. and cannot be the flu, but it's also very rare to have the virus in your body and not ever experience any symptoms. And salvation, you could look at it a little bit the same way. It, in theory, a person could be saved and their life might not show a significant change. There might not be a reflected difference in the way that they are. And there again, that's between them and God. But that's not the natural outflowing of that thing. So the difference between a saved and an unsaved person on a fundamental level is whether or not that person has that personal relationship with Jesus, where it works out from there over time should become a greater and a greater difference between what that person would have been and where they are.
0: Can a certainty of eternal security encourage lukewarmness?
1: Yes. I I think that's a legitimate concern. That's a a, a very reasonable thing for us to look out for. But I think that's the reason why Scripture spends so much time saying things. Uh, You know, 2 Corinthians 13.5, test yourselves to see if you're in the faith. Where Peter says, make an effort to confirm, to make sure of your calling and election i think that's the reason i think a a lot of times scripture i think presents us instead of giving us a point it gives us brackets and Mm. what scripture does is it kind of holds us in tension between two extremes instead of telling me shoot for five it says don't ever get to one don't ever get to ten do everything you can to stay away from ten do everything you can to stay away from one Mm. what god wants is five but he knows that I'm going to have a really hard time as a fallible person if all I'm focused on is five, 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 five. So what he does is he tells me what the extremes are and says, don't ever go here and don't ever go there, because he knows that the natural flow of that is going to keep me where I'm supposed to be. So I think you're right. Once saved, always saved. If it's not understood, can lead people to be complacent yeah. about their sin. But that means they're not understanding it correctly. By the way,
0: thanks for not using sixing you an example. All right. (laughs) But you know what? That leads me to my final scripture, Revelations chapter 22, verse 18. And it says, and I solemnly declare to everyone who hears the words of prophecy written in this book. If anyone adds anything to what is written here, God will add to that person, the plagues described in this book. And if anyone removes any of the words from this book of prophecy God will remove that person's share in the tree of life and in the holy city that are described in this book. All right. Talk to me.
1: I think this is another example where where I think you use a great word, which is temporal. And I think it's important for us to understand that God's understanding of things is limited by our perception of past, present, future, where we can only see, you know, what's happened and where we are and we don't know. What's going to happen uh when you look at the old testament there's a lot of times where god will speak to a prophet and he will tell the prophet that you are going i think jeremiah for example he says you know you're going to tear down nations and do this well jeremiah is not doing that but he's going to declare those things so from god's perspective this is something that's already sort of been established it's the same conversation when we talked about moses and blotting out from the book of life and so on and so forth from god's perspective those persons who are going to take his word and twist it and pick and choose and pull things out and put things in. That's a person who's blotted from the book of life from the temporal perspective. Yes, there's a cause and effect sense, just like the books of revelation says outside of heaven are persons who are identified by sin, a sin, B sin, C, you know, it's not because those sins literally prevent a person from being saved it's that those sins are representative they are evidence of the person who's not going to be in the book of life Got it. so i i, I think yes temporal is a really good way to look at it god has to give us some sort of an explanation that we can understand right but it's not necessarily going to be perfect right um, i like this scripture also because you know I, I it's a good example of how people sometimes read things into it too much i think i was 11 11 or 12 years old and i accidentally i was at uh, a summer camp and i realized that i'd accidentally ripped a sheet out of my bible Mm -hmm. Uh, like i'd torn a page out of it and verses like this i was i was freaking out (laughs) you know thinking oh no i removed something now what (laughs) all
0: right for the listeners i did not
1: plan for that at all
0: (laughs) (laughs) all right good stuff good stuff This concludes another episode of Beyond Sermons, where we seek Jesus Christ beyond the pulpit. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support, please visit beyondsermons.com to rate and subscribe on the podcast platform of your choice. God bless and be blessed to be a blessing.